Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Now, I don't know about you guys, um, Jesus is one of the most amazing yet baffling people. Have you ever found Jesus to be baffling? Like completely confusing. Like, like he, 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 his, his watch doesn't work the same time that yours works on. Like he's thinking about things that you're not thinking about. And I found, you know, we've been, you know, uh, Pastor Rice has challenged us through this kind of challenge of, of reading through the New Testament each month this year. And uh, if you're new to that or have not heard about it, uh, that, that equals out to about 10 chapters a day. And so the, the, the encouragement, again, he, he said, just consider it. He didn't even kind of make, he didn't hold it over us. And he said, oh, by the way, I read through it, you know, last year every week. But so you, I think you can do it 12 times this year. He said, but, but you know, let's read through it. And so it's, it's, it's been a push for me. I mean, Pastor Dave, we've been talking about that. Just kind of, oh man, that's just going at a pretty good clip. But one of the things that's been fascinating to me is not just in the Gospels, but also in, uh, throughout the New Testament, is how, how Jesus is never up to what you think he's up to. He's, he's, he is very, very good at uh, twisting the plot. And all about you, I, I've been feeling like, uh, you know, in, even in this word tonight, I, we, we've been in a series called Listen and talking through the book of Revelation. If you read through Revelation very far, there's a lot of twists in the plot. There's a lot of head scratchers. There's a lot of, uh, wh- oh, by the way, and, and what is this horn and what is this beast? And man, we've been just talking about the churches and man, Jesus has said some pretty direct things to seven churches to start this letter that you would not expect if you were a church member. Is oh, Jesus is, he thinks we're good. Oh, he doesn't think there's parts of us we need to work on. Because that's the Jesus that we find throughout scriptures. He's always up to something. But tell your neighbor right now, Jesus is up to something good. Jesus is up to something good. He's up to something good in your life. I believe he brought you here tonight and brought you online because he's up to something good in your life. And we're going to look at a very uh, somewhat familiar passage tonight from Luke 15. And we're going to see that Jesus is up to something more than just good. He's up to something quite amazing. And and it's going to take us deeper maybe than we want to go and show us more about ourselves than maybe we want to see. But we're going to read from Luke 15. We're going to read verses 11 through 32. Just a little recap, the chapter of Luke 15. Um, it's, it's so powerful. This is like life verses for me um, because Jesus is about to go in on some things uh, to get people's hearts right. And he had talked about in the beginning of the chapter how there was a lost coin and a lost sheep. And now he's going into a couple of other things that he wants to say about being lost. So I'm going to read this from the New International Version. If yours is a little different, that's why. But this is what it says in Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between these two sons. Not long after that, 
the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. This whole, you know, setup here is, is I, always, I always feel like, man, this sounds like college to me. Man, just go away. I'm away from home. I got three years. I'm just going to go and do whatever I want or whatever, however amount of time. And I'm going to go and waste all this money that I did not earn. And he just goes and blows it, right? And after he spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole country. He began to be in need. And so he went out and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed Pigs, and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I, 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 I want to set out. I want to go back to my father. and I'm going to say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but just make me like one of these hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Now, if this was a great Disney movie like Finding Nemo where uh, the dad is looking for the son, Finding Dory, the, 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 the daughter is looking for the parents. Man, the, the, the credits would roll in Jesus' movie here. He doesn't stop there, though. Let's keep reading. Because he says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and he asked him, What's going on? Your brother. <laughs> he, he's come home, he replied. And, and your father, he, he's killed the fattened calf because he's made, he's him, he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look! All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but 
Now he's found. You know, that's the simple title of my message tonight. It's just lost and found. And, you know, real quick here, just to give us a little bit of context. Why is Jesus telling the story? Why is he um, spending time leaving us here with a cliffhanger? Because this doesn't quite end. This is the end of the chapter. He goes on to another parable. And it, there's three different audiences, though, that I want you guys to, to know that Jesus was speaking to as he's saying these words, telling this, this masterful parable. The first audience was... Um, there's a group called the Pharisees. Now, some of y'all have heard of the Pharisees. Uh, they, they were a, at the time of Jesus's life and death, they were the ruling religious elite. They had a bit of political power. They had an ability to influence uh, the, the uh, political powers that be in Jerusalem and other areas. And they uh, were well-to-do, but they also had, a, had um, they get a bad rap because they actually had a mindset that they wanted to see the kingdom of God be established. But this is how they would do it. See, the children of Israel, they knew the history. God had selected and pulled out a people for himself, uh, really out of his own choosing, his own doing. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rescue a people for myself. I'm gonna bring them out of slavery and I'm gonna bring them out, not just to be free, but now they'll be free to worship me. That's why it's so important that we're worshiping early and having these moments regularly in your life because this is why God has come into our life that we may be free to truly worship him. Not worship our problems, not worship our situations, not worship our sin, not worship what the world tells us to worship, but that we would worship truly him. And when God came to Moses, he said, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he always had the addendum that they may worship me. And so God had called the people out of nothing into something now, and that was to worship him. And he gave them rules and laws and prophets and kings, and over and over and over, they failed. And so God had actually had set it up, though. He had kind of given them their inheritance. It was a promised land. He gave it to them. Now they had to fight to, to win it, but to establish themselves in it, but they gave it to them. And now... I, Hundreds of years of sin and rebellion and anarchy and, and problems. Um, God finally says, listen, enough is enough. I'm going to uh, pluck you out of the land because of your disobedience, your sin. And so in this meantime, uh, God is faithful to his promises. He brings them back into the land, but they never quite were the same as when they left. The amount of the, the children of Israel and, and their influence and even them ruling their own land, it kind of, uh, many kingdoms kind of came in and went over them. And here's the thing the Pharisees knew. And again, they arose kind of in this time span of the children of Israel coming back to the land from exile. They knew that the law of God and disobedience and sin was the very thing that caused them to be hit eject out of the land. So the Pharisees were hard on sin. They were hard on sin. They were so hard on sin because they knew if that's, that's the, I, I, I know the trauma that that can cause. If we bring sin into our midst, we got to drive it out of here and we can establish this kingdom of God here. So the Pharisees get a bad rap sometimes because they were trying to eliminate sin. They were in a, they, I, I call those people sin police. <laughs> they were the sin police. You did something wrong? Oh, you didn't pay your taxes right? You, you didn't tithe the right? Oh, no, no, down to the spices. We're down to the spices now. God's looking. Yeah, we, we, yeah you, you got 
You got a pound of pe- pepper. Let's, let's start dividing here. That's how serious they were. And so the Pharisees were real serious. And in the whole start of this chapter, Jesus launches out in these parables because they found Jesus sitting with sinners. <laughs> Baffling thing. As I was reading through this for, for tonight, you know what, what really um, uh, hit me is that I believe in many ways, we're kind of this COVID area this last couple of years, I believe in many ways, we're, we're kind of, as the dust settles, hopefully, and this thing dies down, and we, I don't want to say get back to a, 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 a new normal, but we get forward moving in what God has for us, I believe we're going to find Jesus sitting with the wrong people. Jesus has been talking to some people that you would not pick And in many ways, you would say these are the wrong people that God has been sitting and getting close to and hanging out with. And Jesus is doing this in the middle of this. And as they're watching him sit with the wrong people, some of the Pharisees walk by and say, man, he's sitting with sinners. He can't be the Messiah. The Messiah is only going to come when we get sin out of here. These are the problems with our world. Boy, I'm telling you, we're in an era where everybody knows everybody else is is the problem. As if that's going to bring about this kingdom of God that that God wants us to live in. Here's the thing. These three audiences, there was the Pharisees. They're the sin police. There were sinners who were sitting there listening to Jesus tell the story. And there were disciples. Some of the, the genuine followers of Jesus, they had given up everything to follow Christ. Sacrifice everything, didn't have a job, didn't have a career plans. It was all in Jesus, all their eggs is in this basket. And Jesus is leading them in this, this uh, regards, in this story. So not only is there three audiences, but there's two sons. You see, Jesus goes in, into detail with each son. And I, I, I think some of, sometimes the story only gets taught as if there was one son, but there's two. And the first son, I, I'm Great uh, title. I, I love this uh, a sermon series. Kind of I heard on this from Tim Keller, but he, he gave these labels and I'll, I'll stick them on here as well because he said the first son is the rebellious son. See, the younger one is that rebellious one. And, and here's the thing about the rebellious son. It's pretty obvious pretty quickly where his heart is. Because the Bible says that where, not just where your, your mouth is, your heart is, your, your words line up with your heart, but where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so if you ever want to get a barometer of where your heart is, check out where you're spending your money. And we see as soon as the younger son comes to the father, he does the, the, the uh, we'll talk about the father in a second, but he does the most uh, strangest thing. He goes to the father and says, hey, I want what you got. I don't want you. I want everything you have. I don't want you in my life, though, anymore. I mean, this is the ultimate spit in the face moment. I mean, it's literally, I want you dead, but I like your stuff. Give me that. And his father would have had to sell off cattle and land and, uh, again, an inheritance divided now amongst two boys. The older one would have got double what the the younger one got. So two-thirds goes to the older brother. A third now goes to this younger brother. And he's got a third of the the inheritance that this dad has worked his, probably his whole life, family business. He's giving it away. He says, yes. He says, I'll give you what I got. Yeah, sure. You're my son. I mean, the father acts strange throughout this. We'll talk about him in a second. This younger son goes and spends it all, burning holes in his pocket. He, he, he spends it all. And, and again, we found out later, it's prostitutes, it's 
you know, he has fun. But you know what? What always comes to all of us? You ever been in a famine? <laughs> you ever had a famine come to your life? And, and he wasn't just in need. Now everyone around him is in need. And so the, nobody's help. He can't have help. He, and so what, what do you do when, when you get a famine? What he does here, I'm going to go work my way out of this. I got myself into a hole. I know how I'm going to get out. I'm going to work my way out of it. And what does he do? He says, I'm going to go and hire myself out to anybody here that will hire me minimum wage. I'll, I'll just, I don't care where I work. I need the money. And he goes to, and again, the, in, the, in the, the narrative, the worst, lowest of the low, he goes and hires himself out to a pig farmer who is raising pigs and he is, is so hungry he wanted to eat what they eat, just eat out of the pods they have. The, all, the, all the listeners for Jesus' time, the audiences would have all said, man, there, there's no lower place this young man can go. He goes to the lowest. You gotten to your lowest of your life yet? I hope you have. Maybe not. Pastor Dave was mentioning it earlier. Maybe not. Can I tell you some good news, though? No matter if you're at the lowest now, you will be at your lowest or you already have been, that there's a way home. There's a way out. This rebellious son, he had done everything that he knew was wrong, and he, he got a bright idea. Pastor Rice told me that years ago. He said, man, you're, you never have a money problem. You always have an idea problem. It's true. You're always one idea away from, from forward moving to what God has for you. And he gets the idea. Hold on. I got a dad. I never missed a meal. He has workers. I can go work for him. Notice his mindset still. I, I'm going to work my way out of this. I, I'll never be his son again. I wasted his inheritance. I can be his servant. I'll have some food. I'll have what I need. So he goes home, you know, again, it's a powerful uh, uh, reunion, but he, he goes home. I, want, I just want to repeat what he said. He, he thought he was rehearsing over and over and over. Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He was supposed to keep going and say what he had prepared to say. Make me like one of your hired servants. The dad hugs him before he even gets the chance to say it. Because that was not his heart at all. Again, we'll talk about the father in a second. The first son was rebellious. The second son was religious. You say religious. Huh? He, he's not doing anything religious. Notice his heart. How it's exposed immediately when he hears that the younger brother is now home who had did all the wrong. Immediately the comparison game happens and he says, hold on, 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 hold on. He got this for everything that he did wrong? Something is amiss here. And again, what is exposed in, the, in this older brother's uh, heart is that he was doing good for all the wrong reasons. You know, you can go to church for the wrong reasons. Has anybody ever done that before? Do you know that you can pray for all the wrong reasons? <laughs> do you know that you can do acts of kindness for all the wrong reasons? I, me and my wife just got back from South Africa. We went on a mission trip for 10 days and uh, we were in different parts of the country. Uh, this is our first mission trip as a couple. So for us, it was powerful. 
And it was our first mission trip. We brought our youngest baby, six months old. And you know what's, what's cool is, is you get on a, I don't know about if, if you start feeling like this, but you start traveling a little bit, suddenly you start whipping out your camera, you start taking pictures, you start realizing that, man, I've got to document all of this experience. And you can easily flip a switch and go from, I'm here to do God's will, let's say, for this, or here, I'm on a vacation, to, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm here for other people to show them what I'm doing. I'm here to, to take pictures with the natives and pretend like, oh, yeah, we're buddy, buddy, but, but I, I'm not a friend of any of them. I didn't get any of their phone numbers. Or I, 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 you, you, you use things to get what you want instead of actually having a heart that God has for it. This is where the, the, the religious uh, older brother was. He was doing all the right things, but he never had the father's heart. He, he, was, he was in the right places, doing the right things, and he thought all of it got him um, now to a point where he, he gets whatever he wants. This, this is a, uh, the thing I'd like to mention too, this older brother um, forgot something that, that all of us sitting here on this side of Jesus and this side of the cross uh, should, should be reminded of tonight is that nobody gets to heaven and looks at God and says, man, I deserve to be here. I worked real hard. I did so much good things. Man, I I went to church 52 Sundays in a row, that one streak I went on. I opened my Bible every single day. I read those 10 chapters a day like Pastor Rice said, and I did these things, and man, I really deserve to be here. In fact, every one of us that make it to glory will have the exact opposite experience. We'll be much like this younger son, and we'll say, man, I did nothing to earn this. All of this has been given in light of all that I've done. You made it too? You, he let you in here? Just because you came to him? The beauty of the gospel tonight, I want to remind us on, of, is that everything is wrapped up in this one father. It's all wrapped up in the Father's heart. Now, again, there's only one person that acts strange. Everybody listening in the first century and in Jesus' time would have been going, tracking along with a lot of this. Uh, yes, I've seen rebellious uh, runaways and, and running from God type. Uh, I, I've seen religious people who are mean and um, look down their nose at other people. Um, this Father's strange. We find him here in the text. He's doing many things that make no sense. Number one, he goes to both the rebellious son. He's looking for him every single day. He's looking far away off. He's looking into the horizon. When is he going to come home? When is he going to come? I know he's going to come back. I know he's going to remember my love. I know he's going to remember my generosity. I know he's going to remember how how much I gave to him and I didn't blink an eye. I I know he's going to remember how hard I worked day after day after day and the sweat that he saw on my brow. I know he's going to remember. He's looking. And then the same thing, he goes out to this religious son and he pleads with him. You got to come inside. 
party going on. You've been living in my house, but man, you've been missing my heart. This is why I worked so hard for all of this. I wanted to celebrate. I wanted him to be found. See, the worst part of the story, the other thing that's equally would have caused everyone listening to go, but, 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 but what about? Is that nobody went for the younger brother. Nobody went to look for him. The most, uh, the best candidate was the religious brother, right? He knows all the dirt that he's doing even. Some kind of way the word gets back. And, and, and what's, what's amazing is Jesus is leaves, leaves this cliffhanger because he, he's, he's inviting the older brother in, but we don't know does he come into the house or not. And I think in many ways, Jesus was, was, was trying to be the cliffhanger. In many ways, Jesus was the, the true older brother that did not just leave from a faraway country for the rebellious types, but he left heaven for earth for every single one of us. You see, the good news tonight, I don't care who you are or how many times you've come to church. I don't care where uh, you you're, are in your walk with God right now. I don't care how many rebellious uh, younger sons, younger brothers that you know in your life. There is not one person that you'll ever lay eyes on, including yourself in the mirror, that Jesus Christ did not come to redeem, to repair, to restore and bring all the way back home. You see, even though, even yet while we were sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. Even at our worst, I'm a a father now, seven children, five boys, two girls. I know, I know, we're crazy. We know we're crazy. That's how you know that you know that you're crazy. When you know that you're crazy and you are crazy, you you know know, you're really crazy. But let me tell you, as, as a dad, When my kids are acting the worst, I'm actually determined to act my best. When my kids are misbehaving the most, that is when daddy steps in the most. And I'm telling you right now, God wants us to get his heart for those that are lost. They will never come to Wednesday night service, but let me tell you, they're going to start coming. They will never come to Sundays as much as you've been inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting. But you know what? They're going to start trickling their way in here. They're going to start entering into your life in a new way. They're going to start opening up to you and and start talking about their problems. They're going to start coming to their senses. And let me tell you, Bethel, God wants us to be ready. God wants us to, to go. God wants us to be available. In South Africa, one of the things we did was uh, we did some campus evangelism. I'm landing the plane here. Um, uh, we, we didn't just do campus ministry. Uh, uh, it was a wonderful trip. I don't have time to kind of go through all the things that we got a ch- part of being in a local church there. Shout out to Pastor Villam. I hope you're watching this. Uh, and uh, man of faith there at Every Nation Faith City um, in Pachastrum, South Africa. But one of the things that uh, we did was go out on campus, share, the fa- share our faith with students. And me and my wife got to go and do it one day together. And, and that was a, a fun experience because we ran into this couple. I didn't know they were a couple. Now they were just kind of sitting there. And as we're talking, uh, I shared the gospel with, with both of them. But the, the guy, he was, he was a bit of a tough cookie. 
He was, he was one of those types that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm listening to what you're saying. And he pulls out his vape and, you know, he's blowing and puffing stuff kind of while we're talking. It's like, okay, is, is what I'm saying registering with you that Jesus Christ has died for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know some of this. Yeah, okay. And we had a time of prayer and praying for him. And, and, and um, I could tell there was a block. It was a wall. There, the, the, the excitement, joy, celebration was not there in his voice of what Jesus Christ had done for him. It was not precious. It was not beautiful. It was not overwhelming. It was not, uh, there, was, there was no part of his story where he could say, man, I remember when I came home. Everything was like, yeah, 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 the dad, you know, he, he kind of does stuff for me. So I knew we were, we were dealing with it. And I remember... Uh, I finally, we, we, I said, man, that camera pray for you. And I, you know, this young lady and we pray for them. And, um, I got really emotional and I was, I'm sitting and sharing the gospel. I, I could just feel God's love for him and his patience with him. Oh man. Oh, you ever felt God's patience for you? When you know, you, you know that, you know, he's just been waiting for you to turn to him. Not waiting to club you. Not waiting to be, waiting for you to come, just reunite. And I could feel God's, the weight of, of all of that and the, 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 the joy that was waiting, that he was resisting. Celebration, waiting. And it finally came out because we prayed. I, I had a couple words for him over his life. And I said, uh, you know, some things to him about just his upbringing, different things as I was praying for him. And after we got done, he said, amen. He said, pop his head up. He said, you know, I'm a debater. I said, all right. He said, I got a question for you. I said, okay. He said, uh, is smoking sin? I, I talk with Christians all the time about this. I said, well, what is sin? <laughs> Tell me what sin is. Uh, what, what do you call sin? Well, you know, it's doing something wrong that you're not supposed to be doing. I said, well, okay. That's, that's a small circle of what the Bible says about sin. I said, the bigger circle is the first commandment, you cannot um, serve God and, and love something else more than him. Basically, you shall have no other gods before me. So you cannot sin without having something that you love more than God Almighty. So I said, everything can be sin. He said, you didn't answer my question. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I did. I, I just said, everything can be sin, so smoking can be sin. Everything can be sin, so how I treat my wife can be sin. Everything can be sin, my kids can be sin. Right? How I, how I look up to them or worship them or all these things. Anything can be sin. The Bible calls that idolatry. It calls this taking a good thing and making it God, making it ultimate. And I said, listen, uh, that puts you and I in trouble. We need to come back home because there's a lot of sin in our life that actually are, is slowing us down from getting back with God. It separates us from God, just like this younger brother, younger son. But the good news is that Jesus died for every one of our sins. I don't know what you came in here loving tonight. I don't know if you're in love with uh, a particular sin or maybe it's just uh, again, I, I started talking to him about a sin underneath the sin. It's not just an action or something. It's that love in our heart. That's what God is coming after tonight. 
And he wants us to love him and love what he loves. Let me tell you right now, last verse tonight, Luke 19, 10. Jesus went on and just made it real clear. The son of man has come to seek and save the lost. I found that I do not reach lost people because I do not love God or I do not love them. That's just the, the, the heart of it. And I'm not even an evangelist. <laughs> but when I truly love God and I see what he's done for me, the reconciliation that he's brought about, again, that he didn't just leave a, to a far off country. He left heaven for earth for me. That he didn't just come to, to uh, show me the way. He came to be the way. That he didn't just come to uh, hope that I, I make it home. He came to die and to experience the famine so that I can now feast in the Father's house. If, if, if that doesn't ignite you to love others, to love every person, again, even the people you see in the mirror yourself, ask God, I'm, that's my prayer tonight, that God would ignite his love inside your heart. And that God, these, just turn around, I want you to look around a little bit. There's some empty seats here. We're going to take a moment. We're going to pray that God would fill that seat next to you with somebody that he causes you to love, just like he does. Again, the father is the strange one. He, he, he runs out. He pleads. He's sacrificing his very best so that we could experience all of who he is. Let's pray as, as we end tonight. Jesus, thank you so much for leaving heaven, risking it all, just so we could have an opportunity to come home. Lord, if there's anyone in here tonight that needs to come home, Lord, I pray, even in this moment, you'd, you'd work on their heart, you'd show that, you'd make it clear. They would come to their senses, Lord. You know, if that's you tonight, you say, you know what, I've been that rebellious. I've been avoiding God. I know he has stuff for me to do, but I've really just wanted what he has more than I wanted him. I need to come home. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. The good news, the Father's welcome and wants to receive you. He's not ready to beat you, lecture you, um, curse you. I don't know what kind of dad you had growing up. But he's not coming to do any of those things. Most earthly dads would do those other things, I said. But not this one in heaven. He actually wants to receive, embrace, clothe, restore, repair. This father started acting like he didn't even do it. You know, that's the miracle of the cross that God would punish sin so, so completely that when he looks at us now, he doesn't even know what we're talking about when we're talking about our sin and forgiveness. The God who knows everything chooses to forget. That's what the cross is about. He wants to erase some sin tonight. I don't know what sin you came in here bearing, but he wants to nail it. He wants to permanently place it somewhere. As far as the, sin, the, the, the east is from the west, the Bible says, so does he separate our sin from us. He wants to pull sin out of you. And, and nail it on the cross where he placed it on, on Jesus' back. So anyone tonight, even online, say, you know what, tonight I want to come home through the blood of Jesus. 
the sacrifice that he's offered. He wants you to come home. Anyone in here tonight? I'm going to take a moment to belabor this. It's all right. It's Wednesday night. You're already here. The second group that he wants to come home is this religious type. And again, I, I use that in a negative. There's positive ways of using religion. But the negative way is I've been doing the right things for the wrong reasons. I've been doing these things to gain favor from God. Say it differently. I've been using my works to get God to do things for me. But we're saved for our works, not saved by our works. You see, your relationship with God is not based off of what you do. It's based off of what Jesus did. And we can get off as believers really quick into all kinds of things. And you say, how, how do I know if I'm religious tonight? Do you deal with anger? On how God deals and kindly with sinners? Do they frustrate you? Do you like to go online and go at them and belittle them and get them on the right way? They don't think right? Is, is there, is there a, um, an, a, a frustration that God is holding out on you? because of your good deeds and how you've been living your life? Let me tell you, the Father's pleading with you tonight. He's saying, come in, there's a celebration. There is joy unspeakable, full of glory if you'll come home. And if you'll not just come to the Father's house and do the Father's deeds, but if you'll get the Father's heart. If that's you tonight, you say, you know what, I've been that religious type. I, that's me tonight. I, I need prayer. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hands. Say, Father, I, I want to come home tonight. I want to enjoy what the Father is enjoying. I want to see this room filled up with people who do not know Jesus so that they can come home too. Jesus, thank you for these hands that are lifted. I thank you that you're, you're dealing with our hearts tonight. Heart work is the hardest work. But Lord, you're a miracle worker. Lord, you... you can, can change water to wine. You can uh, do a heart transplant, Lord, changing a heart of stone to flesh. And I pray tonight, God, as, as we're reading this passage, Lord, that we would not be the same, that we would gain your heart. And Lord, your heart would, would, would manifest itself in our life. Lord, bring us to lost people. Bring us to those around us, our family, our friends, those that are hurting and broken those that don't know Jesus, those that are running away from Jesus, those that have been told lies about who God is and what he has for them. Lord, I pray you would lead us to those. Don't let us go through the motions focused on what we're doing and not focus on what, how, what you're doing. You're sitting with sinners, Lord. Lord, let us find you every place you're sitting every place you're talking to people, every place that you're showing them your love already and, and wanting us to step into it behind you. Turn us to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.